So I just came out the booth to goddamn to hear this, hear this shit right here. And my nigga, nigga just, Nietzsche said, bro, I just told them the same shit. The nigga said he just told these girls that he knew what I was about to say. It's crazy. Cray cray. I did though, you know what I'm saying? With a golden shovel, with an ice dot AP, plus a roller bells on another level. I say, bitch, what is you thinking? We are the blanket. Yeah. Bitch, ass on me, and I got ranking. I'm studying ranking. Better stop messing to these hoes or you start shrinking. Welcome into Weekend Rust, I'm Ethan, and this is the name episode. Yeah, the name of this podcast, Weekend Roses. Whoa, dude! Blindsided me. Anyways, we have an awesome episode for the name episode. So it's all name themes. Uh, we saw the movie Morgan, which is a name, which is a name. Our album of the week is Jeffrey. Which is also a name. By Young Thug. Which is another name. Oh. And then our, our beer of the week is Hello, My Name is Joe. Yeah. Which is also a name. Hello, My Name is Joe. The name is in the title. Joe is a name. This so is, many names. This is an awesome beer. It's from Three Sheeps Brewing Company. Good stuff. And it's labeled as an Imperial Black Wheat Coffee Ale. So Three Sheeps Brewing is from Wisconsin, out of Wisconsin here. And since this is an Imperial beer it is going to be stronger this beer runs about eight percent alcohol by volume Ooh. and uh it's labeled as a black wheat coffee ale now i've had this a couple times and i don't get a whole lot of the wheat element in it so i'm hoping i pick it up one of these times but here's what it says in the box uh, a coffee beer worthy of being poured into a mug bold and rich coffee tones are front and center from aroma through taste this beer will please even the most discerning coffee drinker so obviously they're they're pushing the coffee element and that's definitely the main thing. Um, so I'm not sure why they go with the whole wheat, the whole wheat, because con- I don't get any of it. I've, I've had this beer two or three times before today. Um, I don't know. Maybe there's a little bit of a sweetness in there that you normally wouldn't get. But it's, I mean, it's a delicious, delicious beer. I'm going to open mine here. Put this right by the mic. Oh. oh, two good sound effects. That's a good one. That's a good one. So what do you think? I like it. I don't, I'm, I'm with you. The whole wheat, imperial black wheat coffee ale. Right, because to me it tastes like a porter or a stout or something. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there's some layers would, to it. It's definitely not a session beer. It's strong. I, I would presume it wasn't brewed in the fashion of a porter. I mean, can't... I, I don't know the rules on that. See, I almost want to say when I just open it and pour it, why do I always get more head on my beer than you? You got to pour it right, bro. Bruh. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I feel like an inferior pourer. That's okay. The head on this isn't sticking around. Yeah, because I, I had a good yeah, yeah. maybe quarter inch there. Okay, you you I you all is forgiven. I'm defending myself. No, all I'm is kidding. forgiven. But and I mean, we could ask you. Your mom's the the beer aficionado. But from what I understand, if let's say we brew a an ale or a strong a stronger lager that maybe has more hoppy flavors to it, we can't call it an IPA. Mm-mm. 
can't it, that's like against the rules there are rules around these things i would assume i almost feel maybe this is a little bit sweeter right uh, maybe a little bit it just the smell is like a hundred percent porter yeah ish. It, it, it really is and it doesn't taste like it's it's real high in alcohol percentage but it's also not a beer that would be easy to drink a whole lot of no quickly it's, yeah it's it's thick mm-hmm. it's good though i really no, like I, it. I like this a lot I almost feel like this beer is good at warm temperature, room temperature. Like I want to microwave it and see what happens. <laughs> Heat it up a little bit. Throw it in a throw it in a mug. I was always thinking you could. They're like those things that are filled with hot water that you can fill like a baby's bottle with. What? They're like these little. I think there's a little machine you can like drop a baby's bottle in. And it'll like heat the milk up. Oh, sort of like at some grocery stores where they have like a wine chiller. Yeah, but it's like the opposite. It's of the that. opposite of that. Yeah. So you could like try out beers at warmer temperatures. I think that would be really intriguing to do. You really don't know. Well, I know when I when I have beer at my house, I and I, especially with IPAs, is I like to open them cold, 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 and drink them over the course of like an hour and uh, see how it changes as it gets warmer. Because something like anything, in my experience, anything that's like this, I bet you if it was ice cold, it wouldn't be as good as if it was a little bit, not necessarily warm or lukewarm, but a little bit on the little bit on the warmer side yeah because i get the coffee from this a lot yeah big that's like the main that's thing the i can big, taste the big thing and usually coffee <clears throat> typically drink drink warm yeah mm-hmm. in the summer i prefer my coffee iced i do really? drink a little bit of iced See, coffee here and there even in the hottest days of the year i want my coffee hot i do like iced coffee but it's like a like a once in a while type, type of yeah deal. and i do no sweeteners though so i just do black yeah. coffee iced i don't taint my coffee either bro bra just black coffee as people people make such a big deal out of drinking coffee black, and I'm like, it's, I don't think it's that, unless you find the taste of coffee totally obtrusive. I think that's it because the bitter taste of coffee. I mean, that's why even something like a dark roast isn't as popular because I don't think the bitter like to me coffee should be super bitter. I like super dark coffee. I like really dark roasted coffee, and I don't like anything in it, and that like freaks people out. Like, what do you mean you don't cream or sugar? It's like I don't. I mean, I don't like it that way. Because I have to think when they first, coffee was first created, and I don't know the history of coffee by any means, but when it first came out, they, that's how it was. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like they instantly created, figured out, oh, you can grind these coffee beans, run them through some type of filtration device at warm temperatures, and it makes coffee. And sure. then they were like instantly like, oh, let's put sugar cane in it right, or something. So that event- feels, yeah, that feels like a very modern thing to dump sugar in everything we eat. Well, yeah. Yeah. And the, I mean, the modern, I forget what it is, Americans, it's like our diets have 17 times the amount of sodium and sugar right. in it or whatever. So that's why I drink kale shakes. Kale shakes. Yeah. Gala apple, kale, coconut water. Dude, gala apples are what's up. That's the best. See, I, know, I, used to I know we geek on beer a lot, but I'm, I'm going to geek on. I used to gala be all about apples. Red Delicious, but I've been nothing but galas lately. I've got a little bit of opinion of an opinion about that. Some people are like, oh, there's damn. too much sugar in them. And I'm like, get the, get the fuck you out of You know what there's house. too much sugar in? Soda. Yeah. Well, because yeah. apples, it's like natural sugar. Right. Like that's how whomever created this world, we won't get into that discussion. <laughs> or whatever. Or whatever. Um, that. That's how it's supposed to be. You know, people have been eating apples forever. Well, that's the thing, man. Carbs are a man-made invention. Yeah. They didn't exist until the agricultural period. Yeah. Bread, <sighs> bread and such. Yeah, we haven't even gotten... That monstrosity that was called a, corn, yeah. <laughs> which is just a, the, a GMO from an ancient GMO. 
monstrosity yeah. of nature. Although I'm not, I'm not necessarily against certain types because there's levels of GMO. No, I know. That's a long, just that's a long conversation. No, I know, I know, I, I know. Because when you say GMO, people are thinking of lab chemicals, blah blah blah. But technically speaking, corn could be labeled as a GMO because it was literally modified for. Because corn, the way it exists now, is not how it was <laughs> evolved to to uh, exist in the world. Yeah, because we need a lot of it. Right. So, onto our definition of the word, a name. It's a word or set of words which a person, animal, place, or thing is known, addressed, or referred to. Um, I, I like the example. My name is Parsons, John Parsons. <laughs> you should have been James Bond. <laughs> Come on. Who, who's this? Who's this John Parsons? Um, the second one is a noun. It's a famous person, which is very interesting. Yeah. Um, it can be used as a verb to give a name to. Um, also, to specify an amount, time, or place, uh, something as desired, suggested, or decided on. And it's also an adjective of a person or commercial product having a name that is widely known. So what does a name or what does name mean to you? Okay, well, I like the, I like the concept of a name because, okay, when I was in college, I studied anthropology and one of the major elements of that field of study is linguistics, right? And that's kind of where... It's a simple realization, but it's also a big one that words in general are inherently meaningless outside of the meanings we ascribe to them in our cultural or socioeconomic perspective or whatever. So I think a name is fascinating because, yeah, I mean, it's it's a tag. It's something we call things and people so we can identify to them. But uh, I just think it's kind of the ultimate indication of how meaningless it is. Even words like a, a lot of American names like my name, Ethan. It's not a name that necessarily has a lot of, as far as I know, a lot of meaning to it. And then a lot of other languages, their names are derived more from their language to have meaning. But that's also taking for granted that inherently speaking, those words mean nothing. It's just an all, it's a completely artificial concept that we need to understand the world around us. And it just kind of blows my mind. It's yeah. mind blowing. Yeah. Names. And for me, I, I mean, it's like the most surface part of a person, right? Because that's like the first thing you knew or know about a person. Like the first thing I knew about you was your name was Ethan. And then I met you and I got to know that we have like shared experiences and, did, you know, you delve in beyond that. But, you know, and, and I, I kind of thought of, the, of an odd thing. Like we could pull in another Nate and another or Nathan and another Ethan and bring them into this room and they could have totally different and they could be totally different people than us. Right. So, and people, anyone that says there's a lot in a name or I've never known a good John or anything like that. It's totally insufficient. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, ridiculous. it's, it's a, it is technically a meaningless thing, but it also has meaning because we give it meaning because we give it meaning. Yeah. I guess my name's pretty like prehistoric. Nate, like Nathan has been around forever. Yeah. There's a bunch of translations and all this, but yeah, but I don't, it's put, fl- any, I don't I mean, put any weight to that. I think but, it's but dumb. It's funny that you say that. Well, it does have meaning, and I get what you what you mean by that. But also the fact that you said that you bring another Nate in here, and that Nate is totally different from this Nate, just shows you how meaningless your name is, Nate. Yeah. <laughs> no. How, yeah, how, no, how no, meaningless I agree. I 100% it, it, agree. Yeah, so I just, it's just fascinating to me. Um, that, But it's necessary, too. Yeah. It, I mean, you can't even everything. I mean, beer—that's a name that we give this liquid. But even that's a, 
pun and pun not intended here even that's a fluid me meaning because with beer <laughs> that's a pretty big pun <laughs> i didn't mean to, i didn't mean to do that no but like think about it because the word beer think of how much different tastes and consistencies and colors it can really stand for yeah. or music yeah it's crazy dude it is it's such like an it's like an identifier it's almost like a dog tag yeah kind of deal like well, that's, what goes on in a, that's what goes on a name tag yeah i mean it's called the name tag names interesting things but um on to we have an, an early r.i.p and it's it's kind of a sad one for both of us i'm sure yeah. but um gene wild gene wilder mm-hmm. passed away uh most people will know him as willy wonka from the original charlie and the chocolate factory mm-hmm. um and uh, how did you how did you first get introduced to gene well Will, willy wonka and the chocolate factory was my first experience with him for sure but i think the movie I saw first after that, when I was a little bit older, was Young Frankenstein. And I, when I think Gene Wilder, the first movie I think of is Young Frankenstein. Because to me, that's just so iconic, so hilarious, so many great lines, and he's so funny. And of course, Blazing Saddle. I mean, this dude is amazing. Yeah, and I actually, my my introduction to him was totally backwards because I first saw him. Well, let, let me guess, Bonnie and Clyde. No, Blazing Saddles. Oh, okay. Where he's the booze hound, uh, Jim the Waco kid. Yeah. And that's the first like first time I ever remember seeing this guy. And then I saw him in The Young Frankenstein. Yeah. And then in Willy Wonka. So it's this really weird, oh, weird. pattern. And I think that's why I have such an odd sense of humor. Because I've seen these, like Blazing Saddles is, a, I don't know, kind of a backwards humor. They deal with a lot of political yeah. issues in that. but. He he was he was pretty monstrously like instrumental, and I don't to think comedy a, to comedy, and I don't think a lot of people really give him credit for it. Yeah, I think he's now since he he passed away, and it was from complications from Alzheimer's. Um, I'm not really sure his whole history with that, but uh, that's sad to hear as well. But yeah, I mean the dude had not really done anything in a while, but it's just crazy how like he he, he he's just such a singular. Such a wreck, like you know what he. Everybody knows who G, what Gerald Wilder looks like. Yeah, and he's a Wisconsin native. Shout out to Wisconsin, Boom. Milwaukee. And I just I kind of researched him when he passed away, and because I I'd always seen his movies, I'd appreciated his movies, and just a lot of a lot of his quotes. Like he was quoted, he was on um, I forget where, and he got interviewed, and he said they said, "Well, are you political?" And he said, "I'm absolutely political, but I don't want anyone to know what the fuck I think about politics because <laughs> no one cares." That's great. And that's true. He's like a famous person. But you did mention that he did have Alzheimer's. I thought it was super cool and kind of touching, too, that he actually um, he found out he had Alzheimer's and he didn't want anyone to know because he didn't want to make his fans sad. Yeah. Which is like, that to me, that's the quintessential. That's why you're in this game, you know, is to keep mm-hmm. the, the fans happy. But Yeah, it's crazy. Instrumental dude. Yeah, I'm looking through his list here. He was also in The Producers. Uh, everything you always wanted to know about sex, but were afraid to ask. Yeah. Early Woody Allen movie, Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, Silver Streak, The Frisco Kid, Stir Crazy, Hanky Panky, Haunted Honeymoon, See No Evil, Hear No Evil. Isn't that with Richard Pryor? Yeah. Yep. So I mean, just tons of great, great he stuff. He did. Was I don't think it was just that one. He did a couple of films with Richard Pryor. Yeah. I think. I, I, I would really thing. have to go through here and look, but uh, yeah. Yeah, he was in Stir Crazy with him as well. Yeah. Because he's, he's one of those actors when they pass away and you see, like, the news, you're like, oh, my, you know, it's just like. And then I realized, like, holy 
shit. I, I mean, like that was one of the first movies I saw was Blazing Saddles. Yeah. And I think that kind of formed because I have a we both have kind of offbeat sense of humors, but. You know, and I think it, ma- it makes me think about Mel Brooks, too, who is still very much alive. And yeah. He's, he's in his 90s now. Um, and, and to me, and this is kind of a tangent, but I can't help but think about Mel Brooks when I think about Gene Wilder and vice versa. To me, they're so like their movies were so like huge for me when I was younger. Like Spaceballs, I know Gene Wilder wasn't in that, but that movie like I've seen it so many times. And it's one of the, my favorite comedies ever. And then something like I said before, Young Frankenstein. I mean, those are just timeless movies so i always think about those two hand in hand and, and uh if if you guys ever have time look up some of the stuff mel brooks has said since gene wilder passed it's really touching yeah he, they were really close i feel yeah well i think they co-wrote a lot of stuff because he was a he was a, a big actor but he's also a very prominent writer as well he wrote books and a memoir yep. and all that yeah all sorts of stuff wrote and he was also a, i didn't i don't know what this means but he was a master watercolor painter Apparently. I think that's pretty He's self-explanatory. Like established and in watercolor painting, which to me is like an imprecise. Well, he can watercolor paint real good. Medium of painting? I don't know. Imprecise. I think that's a tough type of painting. That's an unforgiving yeah, medium. It is. It's not like uh, something like oil painting, which you can still, to some extent, change after well, you, you can, put it on the canvas. With but oil, water... it's so like refined. It's yeah, these little tiny points. And with watercolor, you have to deal with these large Depending on your style. Strokes. Please. That's true. Please don't don't sell these watercolor paintings. <laughs> don't sharp. you don't you do that? No, but R.I.P. Sad. I yeah. was super sad yeah, when I heard out. that. So, but at the same time, and and this is the, you know, and something like this, you try to try to find something positive. The guy was not healthy, and he lived a long life. So, yeah. Recipe, sir. R.I.P. Cheers, man. Cheers to Gene Wilder. Cheers for Mr. Wilder. <laughs> Milwaukee. Scotty, baby. All right. When we come back, what we're going to do is we're going to review the movie Morgan, the sci-fi, not a horror. I would even argue a sci-fi film. Dramatic thriller with science fiction elements. So we'll review that movie, and you'll hear the trailer (coughs) for that movie in the break. A lot of... Misleading stuff. Yeah. Scary sounds. Lots of screaming and gunshots, which there's not a lot of in this movie. Yeah. We'll get into it in the trailer in the break. We could know we'll be right back. Right back. Yeah. Very happy to have you here, Lee. I imagine that's not exactly true. Doctor, this is Lee Weathers from Corporate. I'm just looking for some information about Morgan. Morgan was our third attempt, our little breakthrough. It's the next step in evolution. It's bioengineered with synthetic DNA. Within a month, walking and talking. Within six months, It exceeds our wildest expectations. I'd like to discuss the incident, if that's okay. She had a tantrum. Welcome back into Week in Roast. I'm Nate. I'm Ethan. And it's time for a movie of the week. This week, Morgan. Ethan, take it away. Boom. Okay, so Morgan, what's it about, you ask? Let me tell you. So the plot of this movie, a a little girl named Morgan 
is a bioengineered child who began walking and talking after one month of existence, exceeding the wildest expectations of her creators. When Morgan attacks one of her handlers, a corporate troubleshooter visits the remote top-secret facility where she's kept to assess the risks of keeping her alive. When the girl breaks free and starts running amok, the staff members find themselves in a dangerous lockdown with an unpredictable and violent synthetic human. Um, this movie stars Kate Mara, Anya Taylor-Joy, Toby Jones, Rose Leslie, Boyd Holbrook, Jennifer Jason Lee, and Michelle Yeoh. This was directed by Luke Scott, written by Seth Owen, produced by Ridley Scott, Michael Schaefer, and Mark Huffman, and music was composed and written recorded by max richter a couple of uh, fun tidbits here wait no first of all filming location filming was done in may of 2015 entirely in north ireland so not a whole lot of scenery here and i believe that after having seen the movie yep so some notes about the movie this movie was produced under scott free productions which was founded by brothers ridley scott and tony scott uh tony scott of course both of those people are very famous directors but uh, unfortunately tony scott passed away a few years ago so really ridley scott is the the main head honcho nowadays um this movie in particular morgan is directed by ridley scott um, tony scott's nephew and the son of ridley scott it's the second movie in the production company in the production company's history to star kate mara the first being last year's wildly successful the martian so yeah morgan nate what did you think of morgan well i thought it was a, a good film i won't say it's a great film but it- I'm kind of like on the fence. It was, it was very, I think we both kind of left the theater very confused. Um, Not in the sense in the th- that I was like, what, what was that? I don't understand. Yeah, it was kind of like, I didn't know what to make of it. Okay. Um, but I mean, it, overall, I mean, it, it flowed pretty well. Um, it's not an original concept in terms of the, like, the basis of it. I, and I, you know, I, I'm just really kind of conflicted. I'll be honest about this film. Sure, yeah, I um, I had no idea what to expect with this going into it, because uh, I didn't see any trailers. I just kind of knew who some of the actors were and stuff. So the only thing I knew about it going in was the poster on the wall outside of the theater, and it was like this dark figure, all scary looking. So I was like, oh, it'll be kind of a horror movie, and it's really not. But uh, I'm kind of glad I didn't know, I didn't watch any trailer because I went home and watched the trailer and we had just spoken about this as well, that they advertised this movie as like this horror science fiction extravaganza. And I would argue that it's much more in lines of a drama movie with some science fiction elements. Strokes. Right. So, but overall, you know, I thought it was okay. I thought it was decently well made. I think the the acting is really what carried it through. But like you... I, I, this is, wasn't an original movie at all. I felt it was very derivative. And as a result, I kind of felt like it was super predictable and it was just kind of tired. Yeah. And when I, I watched just the trailer one time through, because I think I saw a, a Twitter like like advertisement saying, Morgan, you need to see Morgan. And I just followed the link and I, I watched the trailer. And the trailer compared to the movie is a stark difference. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it, by no means is it's not one of those things where you watch the trailer. It's a totally different film. and You're bored out of your mind. But it, it just it's just very, very different. It felt way, way, way too familiar mm-hmm. in pretty much every section of the film. You know, you have the introduction to, you know, a kind of a new area, this restricted area that you can't really get into normally. Mm-hmm. And then you go through the typical A.I., which 
Morgan is an, an artificial intelligence. She's not really a robot being. Though. She's like a biologically engineered synthetic. That was never very clear to me. And that's another thing. And they, that's one of the things is they never really established that. They never they make references to that they're in the future. Mm-hmm. And at one point, one character, and this was very strange to me, says, um, "Hot water is ample here." He he just kind of makes this reference like, "Oh, that's we have you know hot water." And I just think he kind of don't dig too much into that. I just I, think he meant they're up in the middle of the mountains in this and, old house. And I know that's that's very common in rural homes, but they kind of reference like that they're in some point in the future, but they never really touch on it. They have. See, I didn't mind that they kept some of that vague. At first, I was like dying to know what exactly is she. But about halfway through the movie, I was like, okay, that's not really that important. This Morgan character is just some sort of synthetic, in some way, artificially made human being that we don't really know until the very end why she was created in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually kind of th- that was actually some of the stuff I liked most about this movie is that they kind of kept a lot of that stuff in the imagination. The problem I had with it was that the way it plays out, which is very, you know, creature stuck behind glass while scientists study it but have sort of fallen in love with it it reminded me of ex machina and um splice yeah only this movie is about one quarter as intense as either of those yeah and that's i mean they don't they just i don't know through the progression of it they just didn't make it that that truly truly interesting and right you kind of get i mean they create this mystery around morgan and what she is and then the doctor the head doctor, Dr. Chang, mm-hmm. is it or something Played like by Michelle Yeoh, I believe. Yeah, and she, they kind of have some mystery around her, but they just kind of throw their cards on the table right away in that regard. And <clears throat> but yeah, so, so I mean, I, I do think that there there is more to admire here in terms of, I think there's more good than bad, but whether that really matters at the end is, is kind of up for up in the air because i think what for me kept this going all the way through was the performances especially from kate, kate mara who is the corporate specialist person who's coming in to assess the situation and then anya taylor joy who is also in the witch which is another movie that was very poorly advertised um although that was a much better movie than this i think um i think they were both they both gave these like sort of cold and distant and yet they, there was just something and especially with Anya Taylor-Joy's character who plays Morgan, like there was just something distinctly human behind her eyes, which are black and kind of creepy. Um, and I think they just did a great job of playing these sort of distant, distantly relatable characters. Yeah, because with um, Anya Taylor-Joy's character, they, in the movie they commonly refer to her as AI. And right. they say like, well, she's not artificial. And there's a conversation amongst the characters of is she or is she not? And then you see her and even still with her character and how she acts – you're not really sure right. what she is. Is she human? Was she born? They tell right. you throughout the film she's growing at this immense rate. Right. Because she's only five years old, but she, she's clearly meant to look like she's like in her early to mid-teenage years. Yeah, and that's that's one thing I did like is the, the mystery they build up behind these characters mm-hmm. and kind of the fact that they are. I, Kate Mara, I think, is just a very skilled actress. Yeah. I think she's made some questionable decisions in terms of her movies, but shes I think she's great here. And uh, I think that was the strongest element of the movie was how the different characters, what they think about Morgan. Some of these people who've been with her since she was born have more than just this professional relationship. They see her as a daughter. And that plays very heavily into what happens. And I thought that stuff was, was by far the most interesting because the movie is very 
you could argue it's very slowly paced. I think the first act of this movie is going to put a lot of people straight up to yeah. sleep. Um, I actually was kind of digging it. I actually, I think the first act of the movie was was probably maybe the weakest of the three, but I was still s- surprised with it. But uh, there's a big scene in the middle involving uh, uh, basically a psychological interrogation trying to determine how mentally sound Morgan is and things escalate quickly from that point and then the rest of the movie is more of that sort of sci-fi thriller that they advertised but and and, and so I think the movie actually was really well paced I've heard a lot of people say that they found it boring but I think that's because they were expecting more of a slasher type movie but I didn't the beginning right and I didn't know that so I was like I was really taken in with like the kind of the silvery look of the movie and this very dark atmosphere and just like like sense of what's going on yeah and to kind of again tie into the acting a lot of the bit characters gave you this essence of like there's just something not right here Mm -hmm. you know and they they kind of when they're in the beginning when they're going in they're like oh these guys have been cooped up for a long time or something and you kind of sense like well what's going on here what's you know what are these are they totally like demented after living out in the woods for years or right because the one at the beginning when she's driving there her, whoever she's talking to on the phone says they've been isolated for a while so they may have strayed from the original mission plan or something and right from there i was like okay so these people have had nobody checking and balancing their work yeah and that becomes apparent uh pretty pretty quickly but um yeah and some in terms of like norms like some of the characters are trustable some of them are not Right. Um, you get the ten- the sense that all of them are tied to Morgan in a different dimension. So that kind of keeps it interesting. But I agree, beginning to kind of middle, it, it does move kind of slowly, and then you it it picks up towards the end. Right. And I I like what you said too about how even some of the bit characters who are played for the most part by recognizable actors or actresses like Jennifer Jason Lee, who I had most recently seen in uh, The Hateful Eight. Yeah. She has a really small role in here, but she's awesome. In like the two scenes she has she was she was absolutely excellent and then the one she has a bigger role but the one she was in game of thrones season two and three she was one of the wild john uh, John snow's love interest right yeah she was in this she played a a, one of the i would say one of the more major roles in the movie really good um like and not to i don't think this is a spoiler but she does an excellent job of acting like shocked Mm -hmm. yeah of how like a person who's in shock would act but Mm mm-hmm yeah, everyone a good good diversity of characters. So at least I mean it seems the casting was not an issue for them, right? And it's kind of funny sitting here because t- the more I'm talking about it, the more I'm kind of liking it, looking back on it. But at the same time, I don't think I'm ever going to watch this again because yeah. it's just too derivative. It was just too predictable. There's this big, there's a couple of big twists near the end of the movie, and I would say they were mildly surprising at best. But uh, I just, I, mean, I don't know. There, there was a couple of fight scenes that were surprisingly effective as well. But just overall, the direction of the movie, the point they're making, the story they're telling, it's fascinating enough to want to stick through. But I think the acting is what made it elevated a little bit because overall, I just found it. I was just like, Bleh. I mean, I by the time I went to bed last night, I had like forgotten about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, because it, and it was so. If you've seen enough sci-fi movies involving some sort of being behind bars or closed glass, I mean, you you know roughly how things are going to pan out. Right. And I, I by the even with like worst case scenario, I feel like if you watch this film, you were paying attention and you were relatively sober. 
that you could figure out like, well, it's going to be one of three right. paths that this mm-hmm. story is going to follow. And that's, that's, that's a knock. And on top of that, this felt very, again, very, very similar to, like you said, Splice, Ex Machina, yeah. two films that kind of followed the same progression. Right. And I think uh, that they, film. they both made similar points about man's hand in nature and intelligence and blah, 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 and all those things. And only this movie to me did it much more, much less effectively. Yeah. Even though I think um, the, the cast and everything is, everything they do is great. I just feel like maybe even if, I would say even if I hadn't seen Ex Machina or Splice, I still would have been underwhelmed by this, I feel like. Because it's just, it's super low key. And I think that's what it's going for, but it just doesn't have anything like spectacular to say. Yeah. What kind of, it does, when you really compare it to the films that it's kind of, you know, emulating, it is very underwhelming mm-hmm. in that sense. And yeah, yeah I know I, it's a decent movie. Mm-hmm. Good. And now I, I now strain to say good, but yeah, just, I don't know. I feel like it needed one or two more strokes of genius to really kind of elevate it to what it could have been. I just don't know what they could have done with it. What else they could have done. The, the only thing I can think of was, and we're not spoiling anything, but ultimately what Morgan is and what the whole program is and what the company's doing, that reveal just kind of sort of landed because I was like, the first two thirds of this movie, my curious were grinding, going, what is this? This is going to be epic and awesome. But then it's just kind of like, nah, it's this thing. Yeah. <laughs> I thought they could, my, and I actually had notes on, on kind of what they, they could have rearranged the story in the beginning. There's a very beginning sequence. They could have moved that to the middle as kind of a surprise. And I thought that would have maybe kind of shifted the tables a little bit. Okay. And and kind of who Morgan is and what she's capable of. Oh, 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 okay. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that was straight code right there. Yeah, but <laughs> no, she, I, I I don't know. Rearranging it—that's really all I could come to. I just feel like this was with. um, it, it's it's not a very ambitious movie. I think it's pretty well made, and the acting is really what I like the best. But to me, if I would have like stumbled on this movie on Netflix, or if I even would have rented it on voodoo or something for like two bucks i would have been totally satisfied but going to the theater and all that stuff it's just it's just not spectacular yeah and honest i i have not done it but i'm pretty sure you could look up the main character's sleeping chambers in um ex machina and in this movie and they i have to think they'd be no 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 relatively similar maybe i think ex machina it was way sleeker and and a little bit more complicated but he was still behind glass because in this well sure and he had kind of a similar chair with a white backing if i remember correctly there's a lot of similarities yeah i don't know but no it's yeah it's it kind of sucks that you can't play the the like artificial robot card anymore i guess not it just wasn't genius enough i'm sure you could if you did that's it the not right really way. what this was doing though it was <laughs> it's just this sort needed, of this needed some dom hall gleason that's what it needed yeah, or oscar isaac they needed One some star wars two. actors because i don't yeah. think any of these people were in star wars that's a problem <laughs> this movie's instantly i'd like to see kate mara in star wars she'd be like a good like x-wing fighter or something i think so yeah rooney mara her sister not so much she would be like an evil Sith or something. Yeah, she's she'd too... be really good at being evil. Yeah, she's creepy. I mean, Kate no is a power a power actor. And she's she's a badass, and like her character is a badass in this movie. Yeah, 
Like she knows to fight how to fight, and it's pretty badass. Yeah. Boom. Boom. Minds explode. What would you rate this though? One to ten. Well, you know, everything all all said and done, I think this movie is just a hair above average. And you know, my rating scale of five is average. Some people say a five is an F. I say a five is blam right in the middle. I'm gonna give this a five point five because I think it's just that the acting is way too good to give it anything less than that. Because I think overall, the re- every, everything else this movie done is just totally forgettable. But I think there's some interesting core elements that make it a little bit more interesting. So 5.5 out of 10. What would you give it? I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. Here we go. So again, I was going to give it, but I just... A little bit. And for me, the acting, I was about a plus or minus uh, about a 0.5 or maybe a 0.7 when we (laughs) came into this. And that's how I roll. But I don't know. The acting was good. And I think Anya Taylor-Joy, we're going to like hear and see a lot of her yeah. in the future. She was amazing at this. She she was the best. I thought she's just so, I don't know. She's just, a, she's first of all, a very distinctive looking person. And she's just, there's just something like, I mean, her character in this is nothing like her character in The Witch. And those are the only two things I've seen her in. And she's just incredible in them. Yeah. And she's a, I mean, she's 20 years old. She's relatively an, an adult actor, but right. I, I mean, she's very talented. Mm-hmm. Kate Mara as well. Very talented. And she is American born. She's an American actress. Marika. Yep. Is Kate Mara, Kate Mara, wait, is that Anya Taylor-Joy? That's Anya American? Taylor-Joy. And Kate Mara is an American. Kate Mara too. is also American. Cause she's in House of Cards as well. How old do you think she is? Kate Mara? Mm-hmm. 29. 33. Wow. Yeah. Hollywood. She's working it. Yeah, she is in House How far are you in House of Cards? Season one, man. Oh, boy. Well, let me know when you watch season episode one of season two, then we can talk more. All right. After that episode, send me a text. <laughs> and your text will be like, what the fuck? Holy shit. WTF, brah. All right. On to our high-priority news items. Uh, the 43rd Telluride Film Festival in Colorado, which Telluride's a beautiful town to visit. Oh, you've anyone- been there? No, but I've seen, oh, I've had friends that have seen pictures. I want to get there. Uh, in Colorado, it took place over Labor Day weekend and a huge number of potes- potential Oscar hopeful films, which I think this is kind of a yearly deal yep. for this uh, this particular festival. Right. Uh, a few notable ones were La La Land, the next movie uh, from director Damien Chazelle. I think that's right. Uh, he had previously done Whiplash. Music is his biz. Yeah, and... This movie looks great. I mean, it looks, it's it's rare to see an original musical. And I know that instantly turns a lot of people off because some people just hate musicals. But I think this looks incredible. And apparently it is. Yeah. And I, I'll make a, a pretty cocky statement with this one. If you're like an intelligent individual, I feel like this would be a, in your wife or significant other is, you know, same brow. I feel like this would be a good date movie. Oh, yeah. I just have that sense. That it's got it's, Ryan Gosling in it. Yeah. Take any girl to that, yeah. unless it's a drive, and then he's just stomping people's heads <laughs> in, in an elevator. <laughs> uh, the other one that um, that was there was Sully, uh, the next Clint Eastwood-directed film starring Tom Hanks, basically the Bridge of Spies for Tom Hanks of this year. I mean, he was in Bridge of Spies as well. It's his new and award. This comes out Something. next week as well. So um, might be the movie of the week. Could be. Uh, another one was Arrival that, from uh, director Dennis Villanueva. I think Villanueva it's Denis. or Denis. 
Villeneuve, oh, yeah. the, uh, who had previously directed Sicario, a film we both loved. Yeah. Former movie of the week. Denny V. Denny V, bro. Sicario was one of our first episodes. It might have been even our test run episode that we never put out. Yeah, and I loved that film. This one looks similar. I loved all of his movies, man. He did Enemy, yeah. which was amazing, Prisoners. He's doing Arrival, obviously, and then he's doing the Blade Runner sequel, which I originally didn't care about, but this dude is on fire, so bring it on. Bring it on. And it's an, it, this looks like an interesting concept. Yeah. Our movie of the week this week didn't have that kind of stroke of genius. I get the feeling this will have that. So. Yeah, apparently it's great. Um, and also Moonlight um, and Una and Bleed for... Wait. Yep. Oh, Una and Bleed for this? Yep, those are three different movies. Muna? Moonlight? Wait. Yeah. Oh, wait, so it looks, like, it looks like Una and Bleed for this. And I was like, that's no, a no, really no. weird movie. So right. Moonlight... Una, and then also a film called Bleed for This. So those are three separate films. Yep, those were kind of all the movies you just mentioned are sort of the the big takeaways from the Telluride Festival. Yeah. I think Moonlight, um, La La Land, possibly Arrival are going to be Best Picture contenders. So exciting times. We'll see. We'll track it, man. Dude, it's Once right around again. the corner. It's way closer than you'd think. Yeah. Oh, it's going to move quick. Once, we, once we're getting into November and December, once those, man, once the, the writer, you, you guys were there. You were there. Yeah, I was there. Oh, so good. Can't wait. Oh, Oscar, yeah. Oscar season, bro. Well, it's so cool because, like, once you, if you're in the know and you've seen the films, it's so diff, totally different feel for the Oscars. Yeah, it's great. It's so totally exciting. Totally game. Like, when you're, when they're... I know it sounds so lame, but seriously, when they're like reading the nominations and the person's got the envelope and you got your ballot, you're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you, and I know, and I had tons, like way more favorites this year than I did in previous years. So on to uh, our other high priority news item, Mel Gibson is returning to the director's chair. She's a pretty solid track record. Pretty solid. Pretty solid. Major remember solid. that bad, remember that bad Mel Gibson directed movie? Nobody's ever said those Nobody's words before. Nobody's ever said that. But he returns with Hacksaw Ridge, which is a story I've actually heard about before, about the the medic, because my grandfather was a medic. Um, but initial word is very positive, but a lot of people, and a lot of people are praising it, but I think there's a huge hang-up on his past and the controversy surrounding Mel Gibson. Right. Which he's is so, stupid. He, he's sort of a, I mean, I get it. I think it's stupid too because I think there's people in Hollywood who've done who've done worse than him. You know, he said some really awful things, and he probably did mean some of them. But uh, you know, whatever. I, I, we don't need to get too much into that. But uh, I, I think that uh, he, that sort of made him an outsider in Hollywood. Um, I, I, so even if this movie is as great as some of the early word of mouth is, I just don't think it's going to be. A, speaking of the Oscars, I don't think it's going to be a big contender. Because of the those political things going on behind the screens, but uh, whatever, you know, I, yeah. I think I think it's kind of a bummer because I think Mel Gibson, regardless of how many Oscars he's handed, which he's already won his Best Picture, Best Director Oscar for Braveheart back in the day, but um, you know, I, I think uh, he's a he's a name that everybody knows, and I think it's going to be a huge movie when it comes out. Yeah, I think it's going to be massively successful. Yeah, and it's a it's a, I mean not in our day, but in previous eras, it was a big. Big story too, right? Because so. it's about a pacifist soldier in World War Two, yeah, who refuses to carry a gun, but he goes to the front lines to help, you know, as a medic. It, lo- it looks pretty awesome. It looks very old school and f- sort of grandiose, sort of maybe more along the lines of something like Spielberg's War Horse, 
hopefully not that light because <laughs> that movie to me was a little bit too kind of chintzy and corny a little yeah. bit goofy but uh this looks awesome i love the, uh, the cast too we've got a great cast andrew garfield and a bunch of other folks who's in the social network he is he is indeed he's also spider-man or he was spider-man yeah that didn't pan out though Ugh. melly tough gibbs tough luck kib he's doing okay yeah <laughs> but mel gibson show him some love yeah mel gibbs go watch apocalypto one of the most underrated movies ever made hashtag chase movie have you ever that's, seen that that's what i said because i i that is really of... liked apocalypto and i looked it up on today when i was researching mel because i was like oh my God, mel gibson doesn't have that bad of a record in terms of directing and i looked up mel, apocalypto and I'm, it has it's like incredible this, yeah it's well I, I love that film and it's only got like a 4.8 rating with crit and i'm like fine you know this is not right but it's it's sort of it's sort of like an unspoken masterpiece in hollywood because there's all these like huge a list directors who cite it as like one of their all-time favorite movies but the reason it was so brushed away was because it was right after all that controversy yeah it was the movie he was making right during or right after he said all of those you know nasty things back back then and that was the stuff people cared about. But the movie Apocalypto is incredible. Yeah. I mean, it is an epic, exciting, violent, scary movie. It's incredible. And it's totally crazy to think that this American director made this movie. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's, so, it's so deeply embedded in this Native American culture and language. It's, it's nuts. Truly. So this kind of pales by comparison, but under by, by the numbers... A weekly segment. Wait, what pales in comparison? Or top five? By the numbers, yeah. No, well, it's well, like well. we went from the epic apocalypto to this. Yeah. You know, stooping down. But it's okay. No. By the numbers, weekly segment, top five films, America. Hashtag. <laughs> Hashtag. You do five. I know. Okay, I'll I've do five. Doing five forever. All right, so number five at the United States of America. We I'm counting here. One, two, three, four, five. Okay. So number five this week. In its fourth week is Sausage Party, which made 5.1 million this week, so a total of 88.3 million on a very small 19 million dollar budget. Awesome. Which is nuts. I I don't know how this film has done this good, because I I looked at it and I was like, big name cast, raunchy. Uh, I just wonder how many children were brought to it, and then because it's animated. I know. Uh, uh, number four this week was Pete's Dragon, which went up in rank. Mm-hmm. That's pretty weird. Yeah. Uh, from its fourth this week, it was six last week. It grossed a total of $6.3 million, bringing its total gross to $64.1 million. Almost there. It's got a total budget of $65 million. Kind of a miracle that it's almost broke even, I think. Right. I don't know. I think it's you get that kid movie out and Disney production low budget. It's stuck around. It's I mean, it's been in the top five or top ten for four weeks now yeah so i don't know okay so number three then is kubo and the two strings which made 6.3 million on its third weekend so a domestic total of 34.2 on a 60 million dollar budget so uh not doing super well but the movie's been really well received um and i think it's it's made its money back worldwide by now i would imagine yeah well i think it'll stick around too because of the the kid concept right usually um number two this week was suicide squad from warner brothers it grossed just under 10 million at 9.9 bringing its total gross to 297.3 
million dollars on a $175 million budget. It's done pretty good overseas as well. Mm-hmm. Made made its money back. For sure. So then number one, the number one movie for its second week in a row is the uh, new-ish release then, uh, Don't Breathe, uh, which made $15.8 million on a... Okay, so then its total gross is $51.2 million on a $9.9 million budget. So uh, phenomenal, phenomenal business. I'm really interested in seeing this movie, yeah. too. I love the director, Fede Alvarez. He did the remake of Evil Dead, which I really enjoyed. Uh, and I'm just pumped to see... Man, people... you know, We've talked about horror so much. You say what you will, man. Horror has shown up at the at home plate to bat this year, dude. Horror has made a ton of money. Way more horror movies that have been coming out have been getting good reviews. Don't Breathe, Conjuring 2, Lights Out, The Witch. I mean, these were all movies that made a decent amount of money and got good reviews. I think horror has had one of the best theatrical years it's had in a long time. Yeah, I think it's making a bit of a comeback, Yeah, to be honest, because I think it's had a good amount of buzz, right. kind of building up from last year um, into this year. I mean, it, it follows, I felt produced a lot of buzz at the end like towards the end of the year sure and a lot of people were kind of jazzed about that now it's good to see though i mean well i like it too and what what's what's nice is it's it's cool to see something like don't breathe which is i haven't seen it yet but from what i understand a very tight kind of enclosed quarters creative cat and mouse type movie and then you look at something like like lights out that we reviewed and it's in a lot of ways just sort of your basic run-of-the-mill pg-13 horror movie but there's just enough care with the writing and the characters and, and not relying too much on gimmicky jump scares that it just makes it enjoyable. And it's like, th- these movies aren't tired yet. I think even some of the, the concepts that we've seen before, there's still life in them. Because I'm so sick of people saying that horror is dead. It's the worst genre ever. I don't think it's any better or worse than any other genre. No. I look at romance movies. I mean, you, you every now and then you'll get some knockout one, but they're all the same. Even with something like dramas or action movies, there's just so many movies like that. It takes a lot to stand out, and I think horror has really shown up this year and really surprised a lot of people with the quality of the movies that are getting put out. Yeah, and especially with the huge monster releases flopping that we've seen, a lot of these horror movies are doing exceptionally well. Mm Mm-hmm. A la hashtag Blumhouse Productions. Please (laughs) sponsor us. So we should talk about then our movie of the week, which was a new release this week. Yep. So should I should I say it? Yeah. Okay. So our movie of the week obviously was Morgan, and it was a ma- yeah, a massive bomb. It did not now, granted, well. this movie did have uh, an eight million dollar budget, but it debuted at number eighteen, number eighteen in the top twenty, and it made just over two million. Yeah. So. I don't think it's gonna do what. Pete's Dragon did and go up a number of spots no, no, no. either. I so. bet you worldwide it'll make its money back. And I feel like this is the kind of movie that'll get circulated pretty well on home video and on streaming services and stuff. That small budget helps, but man, people did not care about Morgan. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Morgan. Poor Morgan. She's not that bad. No, she's not. But that's our uh, top five by the numbers. Mm. Who knows what it'll be next week? What is coming out next week? Sully. Sully. That's, yeah, that's going to be huge. Mm-hmm. Let's guess. How much do you think Sully will make in its opening weekend? This is good. We should do this more often. Now. Yeah. Um, oh, this is a good idea. New segment? New segment. Estimate it. Well, we'll figure it out. 20. 20? Maybe four. Actually, no, I'm going to double it and say 40. 40. Okay, because I was going to shoot for around 30. I'll say 30. Okay. I don't know what its budget is, though. 
I would imagine not a whole lot, right? And Tom Budget. Tom Budget. Tom Budget. Tom Hanks, probably. Tom Budget Hanks. <laughs> Tom Budget. <laughs> okay, um, let me see here if there's a... I'm looking up Sully. Budget. 60 million. Mm-hmm. They're probably going to be looking for that 30 to 40 in the first week. Because you got to get that big The only thing I would out. say could it could be a surprise is Clint Eastwood's going to draw... His name being attached is going to draw an older crowd. I think this is sort of one of those all-American true stories, too, that potentially draws an audience. And Tom Hanks. Who doesn't love Tom Hanks? I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't like want, Tom Hanks. I don't want to meet that person who's like, ugh. Oh, Forrest Gump was horrible. Yeah, that's, that's me. I don't, care. <laughs> I don't care for that film. It's not horrible, though. No, 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 no. I just, I mean, the person who Tom Hanks specifically, like, oh, he's so terrible. There's that person no, isn't real. Everyone's if that horrible. person is real, they're not my friend it's tom hanks yeah so you say 30 i say 40 i think okay. that's we'll run are we doing uh uh are we doing a uh, price is right rules so if it's 31 million i lose you can't go over isn't that how it goes or then if it's like 31 i win is that how it works i don't know the price is right i guess well. i guess i'm confused now too yeah because isn't price is right rules closest without going over isn't that why people always guess one dollar? Yeah, right. Because right. if it was, yeah, okay, so yeah, so if it was thirty-one million, I would lose, and you would win. And then if it was forty-one million, then who wins? Nobody. Nobody we don't wins. have a third person in this room. I was sent some guys like forty-one yeah. million. <laughs> some guy pops in. Yeah. Yeah, forty-one million, Margaret. <laughs> Morgan. Yeah, but okay, let's just do that. Okay, let's cool. do estimates. Okay, cool. Who's ever closest, and all that jazz. All right. When we come back, we're going to review our album of the week from Young Thug. First album by this gentleman. Uh, his new... Well, our first album to talk... I mean, this is not his first album. No. This is like his like 20th at this like, point. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But he, his album, Jeffrey, which is actually a mixtape, mm-hmm. technically speaking. Uh, you'll hear music from the album in the break. When we come back, Weekly Neurosis, Jeffrey from Young Thug. Super Mario. This actor is by the way, I promise. Oh okay, my money way longer than the NASCAR race. I told her keep going on the gas for the brakes. Only here for one night, let me put it on your face. Let a nigga nut, only way I go to slay. Into weekly neurosis, I'm Ethan, and I'm Nate. Time know. for time for album of the week. Yeah, so so we're gonna talk. <laughs> I'm trying to be you, so we're gonna talk about Jeffrey by Young Thug. Nate, tell us about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Young Thug is a rapper from Atlanta, Georgia. He is known for his bizarre, unique vocal style. The style is often considered to be somewhat sing-songy and melodic, but also filled with nearly incomprehensible rap flows. 
uh, weird sounds between the lines and other various quirks that are far from traditional as possible. Uh, this has created quite the reputation for the young rapper, sometimes saying he is a joke, which I believe we both said at some point, um, and others saying that he is one of the greatest rappers in the hip-hop scene. Again, a very high honor. Um, the recording and production notes are that this is his 16th mixtape, which he's only been around since... Like two or three years. Two, three years. That's a lot of he's music. O- he's younger than me. He was born in 91. Wow. So so he's 25. 25 and he's yeah. already released 16 mixtapes slash albums. And his third release in 2016 alone. Uh, supposedly this album is considered to be a major departure for Young Thug, who claims that Jeffrey is an entirely different persona. Uh, from what previously was known as Young Thug. So, Ethan, what did you think of this mixtape? Well, you know, I think you kind of mentioned there that we both had at one point considered Young Thug to be somewhat of a joke. Because when you first listen to him, even if you're, I think, you're, especially if you're into hip-hop, more of the old-school stuff, this is about as cutting-edge, quote-unquote, and new school as it gets so it can be pretty shocking and when i first heard this guy's music and this was like two years ago not long after he started i thought it was a joke i'm like this guy is just whining he's wheezing he's doing all these weird sounds over these admittedly catchy beats and and great production but i just didn't get it but uh the more i kept seeing his name pop up the more i started listening to him and it was really only earlier this year where i started to kind of listen, like caught myself like listening to his mixtapes and stuff on my own free will. Um, and this year I've listened to everything he's done and I just have this weird relationship with him. And, uh, you know, this album, I think it's of, of the three he's released this year. I think this mixtape here is, is, is the best one of the year. I think it's got some insanely catchy songs, some incredible production that's loud. It's the beats are incredible. It's just hard hitting. There's amazing bass, uh, and then there's Young Thug's delivery, which is totally weird. And it's it's just, it's sort of like Death Grips. In our last episode, we talked about Death Grips and it just being sort of abrasive and strange. And that's sort of similar to Young Thug as well. And, you know, this album continues that. He's not necessarily exploring, exploring totally new grounds on, on Jeffrey, but uh, I think he's definitely really kind of created his own niche and his own sound. And for what it is, there's some songs I like more than others. It's a catchy and certainly a unique listen. So that's where I'm at with Young Thug, Jeffrey. Young Thug, Jeffrey. Well, yeah, and I mean, it's just a different vocal delivery. And I, I you kind of hit a note with me with the whole Death Grips thing because the vocals that he presents aren't really the primary piece of the song. It's, it's very hard to kind of explain until you hear it. But yeah, I think the way he has to record and produce, it's usually with his vocals turned a little bit down as kind of usually you're used to the prominent in hip-hop. Uh, there's the vocals are very very prompt and very like up there in terms of the the sound and the volume and everything and with him it's kind of it's different and he throws in these you know sound effects that aren't sound effects are actually his voice yeah which is really odd it's really strange but it it works i i mean there's no other way to really explain or or understand it till you hear it because it, it sounds like a mess from the way i'm explaining it yeah but in reality, it flows so melodically. Right. And these songs really loop. I think they loop you in. Well, right. And um, 
I think to, to to stink them though from Death Grips is where I think Death Grips has the edge. I mean, in the bands, Death Grips sounds nothing like Young. Totally Thug, different. These are uh, totally different. They're they're just similar in that they're both kind of outliers in in their in their various music scenes. But uh, while Death Grips lyrics are very interesting and disturbing and thoughtful, I think Young Thug's vocals, which you can't really understand half the time, and if you do read the vocals, there's a lot of mumbling and screeching and stuff. The lyrics are ridiculous they're they're pretty stupid it's a lot of pretty explicit <laughs> I, I don't know how else to describe it it's just it's pretty lowbrow stuff yeah and and i think a lot of maybe a lot of more old school hip-hop fans that's why they hate young thugs so much because a lot of people like conscious hip-hop some people like more of just the party stuff and this is more in the latter having said that i do think his vocal style and that strange melodic thing it's just so catchy it's just this is like the best background music to me. It's like the best, like if you're in a party mood, you want to listen to something louder that's cooler and it's catchy and you can hum it and it gets stuck in your head. I mean, Young Thug has been like my go-to hip-hop artist this year for that. And I think this is a, you know, this is a good album. I think it's maybe a little bit different in its production. It's a little bit more varied. Like the first song in the album uh, has sort of like a, a reggae thing going on it with upstroke guitars and all that um, and the second song is Floyd Mayweather. And that's another thing we should say. Every song in this album is a name. It's like named after a person. Oh, hmm. So it further fits into our theme. But at that, clever, the names themselves don't have anything to do with the song. Like the last song in the album is called Kanye West. Yeah. And apparently the song was originally called Elton after Elton John. And even the lyrics in the song suggest that. But he changed it to Kanye West for some reason. And then like there's a song called Harambe which is, of course, named after the gorilla who was killed in Cincinnati. But the song has nothing to do with Harambe. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it's just kind of strange. And maybe that's gimmicky, but he is kind of gimmicky, right? How do you see that? I mean, it's he's so hard. He's hard to nail down. I don't know if it, you know, and I've, I've watched interviews. I watched, a, it was like a, an hour-long interview with him and Sway, who used to be on MTV and is like a disc jockey in some major metropolitan area. I don't know which, but... I don't know that he is really gimmicky. I think he might just, if he is being gimmicky, he's trying to, his gimmick is that he's so far out there that none of us can really understand it quite yet. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, for a long time, um, and I hate to draw the comparisons, but like Marilyn Manson was so far out there and people were not understanding what he was doing like very early on in his career. And I think he's kind of on that same threshold, that same kind of level where hip hop fans don't understand it. You know, normal people most definitely don't understand it. Me as a hip hop fan, I get what he's doing, but I don't, I can't like really truly wrap my head around it quite yet. Right. And it's, it's interesting, but what makes me think that this dude isn't joking around is this guy, like speaking of the song Harambe, like if you listen to that and another song on here, Riri, which I believe is named after Rihanna, isn't that mm-hmm. her? They call her Riri, right? Yeah. <laughs> All the kids these days. No, anyways, they, uh, those two songs, like, listen to his vocals on there and try to maybe, like, because if you don't, if you listen to this and you, first of all, if you hate rap music, this is going to be the worst thing in the world to you. You're going to hate everything about this guy. Um, but whatever. His vocals are so passionate. Like in the song Harambe, it sounds like he's, like, crying. So he's clearly super into it. And the same thing with Riri, like, the the chorus in that song, which is my favorite on the whole album. It's just so catchy. And you can tell he is, like, He's got his eyes closed and he's just screaming out what's going on and he's into it. So there's real passion there. 
well and but it's so bizarre it's so hard for me to connect with him because his lyrics are just they're on a totally different level from where i'm at like in terms of what he's talking about and stuff yeah and you you mentioned too i i don't know if it was off air but that yeah it was off air that when you listen to his music that the bass is like yeah messed up and it's so loud and that's i think like almost everything in the way it's mixed to the lyrics to everything is not meant to be and this sounds super trippy but it's not meant to be like heard or understood Mm -hmm. because i thought too the bass levels were like way jacked up right and the vocals are kind of down and there's sound effects and it's just a lot of people are literally used to vocals drums bass in terms of Mm hip-hop And he's basically inserted this fourth layer of, you know, this these vocal sound effects. And right. then other, there's some ambient elements to it. Mm-hmm. So he's adding a lot more depth and a lot more, like, levels to the sound that a lot of people aren't really used to with hip-hop. Right. And I think I the way it was described to me uh, is the same way I, I always, I've always thought of a lot of really heavy metal where a lot of people are like, well, you couldn't understand what they're saying. And I think with a lot of metal, it's similar with Young Thug, right? Like his lyrics aren't nece- yeah. the, the vocals aren't necessarily meant as a lyric delivery system. Um, you can try to decipher his lyrics, and you know more, more power to you if you want to do that. But really, to me, his vocals are serving as another instrument in the music. It's just extra layer of melody. It's sort of like you have the the drums, which is of course the bass. <laughs> you have the synthesizer, which is all the mixing and stuff. And then, like, say if you're com- drawing comparisons to a regular band his vocals would be the equivalent of like the lead guitar or something. And it's just kind of, it's interesting. And I think there's a whole group of rappers who are sort of doing this thing now. And it's either going to be very repellent to people, even in the hip hop scene who want their music to be lyrically driven. And this guy is, is not doing that. And I don't think he's apologizing for it either. No, not at all. And I mean, you can be on the cutting edge and still be relevant over time. You know, it's not like he's going to be like the first the first person on the moon you know and be totally forgotten but well i don't think yeah i think he's already made a name for himself he was on kanye's new album he was on uh, chance the rapper's last album coloring book i mean he's not there's nobody yeah oh he, totally he and he's and, and honestly in terms of his presence amongst a pretty wide audience he's got a he's got an audience yeah, and this album debut this mixtape debuted in the top 10 billboard albums i mean this landed hardcore people love this dude and he's really made a name for himself. And I and that there's just something about his music that draws me back to it. Where if I'm yeah. if I'm in a slog or, or whatever, it it's just sort of jacks me up. And I just it's just addicting. It's wacky. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I think I might have caught it, to be honest. Yeah, man. And I, but you know, the songs on here, I think are pretty great. Opening song is one of my favorites. Again, it's got that reggae thing, and I think it's called Wyclef Jean. And again, that's somebody's name. I'm not super into all this. So Wyclef Jean. Jean. Of the the Fugees. There you go. Okay. OG. Future Swag, which is obviously future. And actually on that song, I feel like he's trying to do more of the future yeah. thing. Um, Harambe, where he, again, he's just like screaming and it's crazy. And then the last song in there, Kanye West, was one of my favorites, which again has that sort of reggae thing with this really nice kind of lounge jazzy piano line that's going out through the whole song. It's just, a, it flows really well for, for a mixtape, so... I'm into it. I'm really into it. Yeah. You know, do you honestly not know who the Fugees are? I know who the Fugees are. I don't yeah. know the individuals by name, though. Because it was Lauren Hill, Wyclef Jean, and then I remember the third one. Good. That's some good stuff. What would you rate this, though, 1 to 10? Um, I'm going to give I'm gonna give it a 7.5 out of 10. I want to give it higher 
and I probably, in all honesty, it's closer to an 8, but I'm going to give it a 7.5, mainly because it's not super approachable. I think younger people really are liking this guy because they're less... I think the more hip-hop you're exposed to, the harder it's going to be to get into Young Thug. But uh, I think he's a guy who is a good example of a, of a hip-hop artist who hasn't necessarily been raised on NWA and Biggie Smalls and those guys. He's not, I don't think he's drawing his influences from there. I think he's drawing influences from people just more recently in the last five to 10 years. And so this is what we get the result of. And I think if you're not into the lyrically conscious hip hop, there's a lot of interesting stuff here. So I'm going to give it a 7.5. I think this is the best one he's done, mixtape he's done this year. What would you give it? I'm going to say an even seven. Um, I, before listening to this, if, if I had no knowledge of him, I pro- probably would give him like a five, Yeah. but I, I kind of get it and I want to expand on what he's doing more because yeah. it, it is very, very, very cutting edge. Mm-hmm. And I like what you said about, cause forever we've heard like Kendrick Lamar and schoolboy Q. Those are two LA examples. I can't think of a good New York example. That's not good, but, uh, Oh, what's his Joy name? Badass. Joy Badass, yeah. Yeah, and he's those those are three good examples of people that have said, oh, I was raised on Biggie and Tupac right. and all. And I was like, well, that's great, but let's what what about the people that are maybe exposed to the more a wider genre, you know? And that's kind of what I think I think he's kind of doing that. Yeah, and I actually have his one album Barter 6 on vinyl. On vinyl, yeah. <laughs> I actually bought it originally as sort of a tongue in cheek, maybe turn it around and sell it, but there's no way I'm getting rid of it. Yeah. But I I would suggest if you go and listen to any one of his other mixtapes or albums, go listen to that one, Barter Six. Yeah. And read some of the history on why it's called Barter Six and some of the stuff. The history behind it is a little weird, but uh, yeah, I remember the first time I heard him, it was actually Barter Six. I listened to it once and I deleted it from my phone instantly because I was like, this is trash. Like, I'm never going to listen to this crap again. But he just kept popping up and I was like, all right. Yeah. Well, and I think for him, because he, he's Atlanta-based, mm-hmm. so I think Atlanta's had a really long history of kind of being very, 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 very different, right. you know, in terms of how they're presented. Like, if you think of the best example is probably Outkast in terms That's of... That's a classic. Like, somebody more contemporary, somebody like T.I., Gucci Mane. But I think uh, when you think of Outkast, of what they broke into, it's very, like, they just presented a whole new set of sure. of hip hop so what you don't think walk of walk a flock of flame walk a flock of flame or or what's his name birdman respect not, not quite respect <laughs> respect my name hip hop culture man uh it's weird. pretty wild it's a weird it's great it's, it's a like, weird it's fantastic thing. man it's like watching um all the hip hop beefs and them all mad at each other and dissing each other on songs and it, it's hilarious to watch, man. It's like watching a new episode of some show every week. Yeah. It's great. Diss tracks are the greatest thing that's ever happened to music. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And it's what's so funny about diss tracks is they instantly have an expiration date. Yeah. Like in five years, nobody's going to know who these people are. Yeah. <laughs> so ridiculous. So into our hyper news items. Uh, streaming music celebrated a pretty monumental achievement. They now have, as of this month, September 2016, over 100 million uh, people are subscribing to a streaming music service, mm-hmm. which is huge. 
It's a lot of people. Right, and there's a breakdown on the site I got it from that shows what sites have the most subscribers. The number one is Spotify, which has 39 million. So by so far, so many people. By far the most popular one. The second yeah. most popular one is SiriusXM, which they count as a streaming service. So that and that's Can thirty you, and thirty point six million. I don't know. Maybe you know. If I have a serious um, subscription for my car, because that's their big thing, can you get that on your phone? I'm sure you can. Yeah, I would assume. But yeah, so that number two, and then number totally th- then coming at number three of the seventeen million is Apple Music, and then at six million is Deezer, which I've never heard of. At four million is Pandora, which surprised me. I thought that would have been higher. Uh, Rhapsody with three point five million, and at the bottom. With only three million subscribers is title. Good old, good old Kanye's. Get out of here, Kanye title. and Jay Z's thing. Which I, uh, there's a lot of talk that they're going to merge with Apple Music. Yeah. But um, so yeah, hundred million people subscribing to streaming stuff, which still can't believe I do it, man. That's the future. I was so against it for the longest time, but I love it. I'm a fan. I feel like, and if you look at the like, there's a thing called the product life cycle. Mm-hmm. And there's the early adapter phase. I feel like this is the early adapter phase. Oh, a question. If, yeah. if not the early adapter phase, we've moved slightly into the the median phase. I think of purely streaming services. We're seeing powerhouses being created. I think Apple Music is going to stick around, and we're about to see a major overhaul of that. Uh, they just announced the new iPhones today and the new uh, iOS 10, and apparently that involves a major overhaul of what Apple Music's layout is like. So that'll, apparently it's more similar to Spotify, but I feel like Spotify and Apple Music are like the top dogs. Because Sirius was in there, but they're less, I think, they're they're less like, I, I want to go and listen to this album and they're more, it's a radio yeah. thing, so I don't yeah. know. Well, and they have, uh, Sirius signed all like the major, like, oh gosh, Howard Stern. Right, mm-hmm. Those types of people. So yeah, they, like Playboy has a thing. Yeah. With, with, like, Dozens of super famous DJs and stuff who have different shows on their channel. Yeah, although, I mean, SiriusXM is huge. Yeah. And I've, I've explained Apple Music and streaming music to people is that, like, if you he- like you, you think of a song and you'd want to hear it right now, that's what streaming, that's what the beauty of streaming music versus I need to go download this and do this and do that. You know, it's right. just there mm-hmm. in a second. For sure. So, 100 million. And another um, R.I.P. Uh, Jeff Jerry Holler passed Heller. away. Heller, Ugh. bad in the R.I.P. section. Jerry Heller, <laughs> but he um, he was made infamous, of course, by the movie Straight Outta Compton, where he's played by Paul Giamatti. Um, he signed the group N.W.A. originally to his, I believe, his distribution, or was it a record album? It was a, a pr- record label. production and distribution label, from what I understand. Yeah. And he was in the basically Wild West days of hip-hop where you could sign people. Well, he, I think you could debate that. He was the one who saw hip-hop as being commercially viable on a massive scale. Yeah. He was the one who kind of took that leap in the recording industry. Unfortunately, though, his legacy is sort of a mixed one. Yeah. Because there was a lot. If you saw the movie Straight Outta Compton, it, that covers it from what I understand a very biased perspective, sort of painting him as the villain. I think in real life it's maybe a little bit less black and white in terms of him being the bad guy. But he's certainly an important figure in in music. Um, and yeah, he he died 
just uh, not too long after that movie came out, so kind of sad, but uh, I know a couple of the people in NWA have outspoken about it, saying what their thoughts on the man were. <laughs> yeah. But RIP. Yeah. He is, I think, you know, at all at all things aside, you have to give him credit for seeing a, a genre of music, which for a long time was seen in the mainstream as just kind of this gimmicky, goofy MC Hammer kind of thing. And he was like, well, no, there's some serious meat to this music and i think there's a wider audience because to me hip-hop isn't just about you know i think it's very easy to listen to it and hear the swear words and they're talking about guns and girls and all this stuff and to just have it at a surface level say oh it's all trash it's all shallow it's crap it's ignorant blah 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 but there's so much more to hip-hop music than that and he was a guy who was like i think that people who aren't from these cultures and from these parts of the, the country will find value in it and they can learn something from this music. And he was right. So yeah, got to give him credit for that. When he, and honestly though, back in those days, like you could go to a hip hop concert and if you had the right amount of money and the right distribution channels, you could like sign anyone, you know, you can't mm-hmm. really do that nowadays. And it was very, very much the wild west. So. Well, yeah. Hip hop is kind of a closed community now. Yeah. Like it's run by artists who became popular at the time. Yep. <laughs> and back in the day, it was buy in, buy in while you can, while you can. It's kind of like oil prospecting when you think about it. Very yeah, similar. a little bit. But um, yeah, it's our hyper news aim. So I'm do our weekly obsessions where we talk about something we're obsessed with. Ethan, what are you obsessed with? Well, I got two things in the same universe. I'm in the TV sector. I uh, this last weekend finished finally finished caught up 100 percent with game of thrones boom season six fascinating the last couple episodes were probably the best of this of the whole series loved it i've been reading the recaps i'm looking forward to uh, the next season which i will be watching live so i will no longer be spoiled for game of thrones super pumped about that and then that's huge though because yeah. it's hard like if you don't if you just tivo it by like you're gone you tivo game of thrones i don't have cable so i'm gonna get hbo go or whatever Whatever, yeah. Like if for you the just, 10 weeks it's on. record it. Somebody's going to ruin it for you. No, I know. That's what the deal was. It was spoiled. But then again, uh, you know, I've talked about the show pretty much every episode for the last well, however many we've done. Lost. I'm obsessed with Lost again. I'm rewatching it again, always, constantly. But I'm reading a little bit more into the episodes. There's this podcast, this old school podcast that was recorded during... I told you, I think I mentioned this, yeah. where, where the, they're, they're just recap episodes that were recorded and back when the episodes were actually premiering, and I've been listening to them at work because they're real long episodes. It's really funny to hear people who didn't have hindsight of how the series ended trying to theorize what was going to happen. So I just, I love Lost, and it's been on my brain a lot lately because I just, it's so good. Yeah. Well, like last week when you told me about it, I thought of something super interesting, and this is kind of a different concept, is that when you see like a tv recap or if someone's like on like youtube right mm-hmm. if someone's recording themselves talking about lost you like see them and they're dressed in a certain way their hair may be cut in a certain and it's just you can tell the like the genre right or like the the year that it was created it's oh, very sure. like evident whereas with podcasts it's kind of it is timeless like we could be talking about a film that was released in 2009 and nobody would know the difference because our it's a just it's just us talking. Well, right. I don't think there's a lot in terms of vocal speak that has changed. Well, between... I think one of the things I like about this is because a lot of the references they're making 
especially to pop culture on this podcast. And the podcast I've been listening to is called The Lost Lowdown, by the way. Um, a lot of the references they're making are to things that are quite dated. But it's all within this context that I relatively understand. But are they, I was the one I was listening to today, they even said something like, I don't even remember exactly what they said. But it was something like, it was something because Lost was a very multi, you know, multicultural kind of thing. And there was something about an interracial couple, blah, blah, blah. And one of the guys said, come on, it's 2007. We're past this. Wow. And I'm thinking like, it's almost 2016 now. And we're really not past Nine <laughs> these kind later. of things. Yeah. And it just, it just kind of put it into perspective. And there's kind of things like that. And it's just fun hearing things kind of in perspective. But yeah, I think... Without being able to see these two guys talking, it does kind of add a add a little bit more of a timeless element to it, for sure. Yeah. It's kind of golden, in mm-hmm. a way. Yeah. Awesome. What are you obsessed with, though? You can't you can't get away without telling me what you're obsessed oh, with. Oh man, you're gonna be pissed. So it's it's, it's, it's football and football, both of them. Because okay. I mean, it's the first week of the NFL season. Okay. Yeah. I'm in a fantasy league again. Are you? Yeah. Oh, I can't do it. I did it. And also soccer is coming back. So, And I am I have a birthday upcoming. Yes, you do. Friday. What are you going to do? Hey, are we going to do a birth? It's a, we were talking about doing a birthday episode for you. For sure, we're going to crack the bitches brew next yes. episode. Yes. It's somewhere in there. Thank God. Woo. So that's the next one. Next episode. That'll be because this one was so defined already. I couldn't really pull off. Like, kind of just fell together perfectly. Well, it's based on this guy named Miles Davis. Miles has a name, doesn't he? You know, it's <laughs> I can't I can't do that. So, uh, yeah, that's what I'm obsessed with, man. Names. Nice. I'm excited for football this weekend too. Watching the Packer game. Yeah, it's so American. Sunday noon. I'm there. It's so American. I'm gonna be hungover. It's the only way to watch football. It's hungover. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like crap and my team is losing. <laughs> well, because, like, people, I, I don't know. It's just so weird. Like, the whole American concept behind, like, tailgating. We've taken tailgating. Like, when you're at the game, you pull, throw these grandiose parties, so now we're doing them at home. And all because of a bunch of strangers playing some sport. Yeah. Love it. Who are monstrous human beings. Some of them. Some of them, but monstrous in the physical and moral sense. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, this has been Weekly Neurosis, the name episode. Mm. One last time, I'm Nate. I'm Ethan. And we will be back for you next week. Everything to be determined. Yeah. But everyone, please take care. See ya. Bye.